out there who have denied the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. There have been those that have believed in what they call was the swoon theory, that Jesus just passed out on the cross. And when they took him off the cross uh, and put him in the grave, boy, he like came to and he was feeling good and somehow he got out and was walking around and walked around for another 40 days on the planet. And uh, if you understand the role of the Roman crucifixion and the visible organs that you would have probably seen from his body and the beating and the, and, uh, the death by asphyxiation and all, I mean, I, we could spend so much time refuting that. It's pretty, a pretty amazing fact. It actually be a greater miracle, I think, to think that he just passed out and came back to and was walking around in the same body. But there's many scoffers out there that say, oh, it did not happen. There are many out there that say, oh, well, they just replaced the body of Jesus and put another one up there, Islam believes that. There are some out there that believe that the body was just stolen from the tomb and uh, they, they put it somewhere else, right? There are some that say, well, he just didn't rise from the dead. It just didn't happen. He's still there, which would be an easy thing to prove because the Jews of that day, instead of paying off the Romans to say his body was stolen, could have just said, hey, here's the bones, friend, right? Scoffers. Yeah, scoffers. What if they're right? You know, I know what your I know what your answer is. But what if they are right? I want to look at this morning six things that were happen that would happen if there were no resurrection. Six things that would be a, a truth if there were no resurrection. In our text this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul had started this church at Corinth there in, in, uh, in that uh, lower area of Greece. And he started this church as a very carnal church. It had a lot of problems to this church. There are a lot of things that they were trying to uh, get through and struggle through and learn. They had a lot of doctrinal issues that were, they were wrong about. They were practicing the Lord's Supper. It was really strange. They were coming there and they were getting drunk and they were just turned it into some big uh, type of a agape feast type of deal. And Paul had to correct how they were doing the Lord's Supper. And then they kind of got mixed up on the spiritual gifts and uh, they just uh, kind of began teaching that, uh, uh, you know, they were going wild and people were speaking in all types of languages at the same time. And one was jabbering here and one was jabbering there and one was jabbering there. There was no interpreter. And Paul said, okay, 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 we got to fix this. I mean, no, there was a lot of doctrinal issues and a lot of problems in this church of Corinth. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of sin problems going on in the church of Corinth. And uh, with the way they were living their lifestyle, in, in, the, in, in the city that they lived in. There's a lot of problems. And one of the other problems they have that we see here in chapter 15 is they had an issue with the resurrection. Okay, now, if I could go back a, a little ways, uh, I could show you how the, the, the different sects within Judaism, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and the Essenes, there was another sect called, uh, well, the one sect there called the Sadducees. And it was the Sadducees who did not believe in angels, and they did not believe in a resurrection. And so that was out there. That belief was out there that there was no resurrection. Well, somehow, in the church here at Corinth, somehow, this, this belief began to creep into the church. And obviously, people were, were, uh, were denying a resurrection. And in chapter 15, the Holy Spirit of God, through Paul, seeks to correct this false teaching that came into the church. And I want to show you here a logical look 
at the resurrection. Would you notice verse 13 of our text? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verse 13. He said, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith in vain also. So, he begins to say here, here's a logical thing. There's a, some logical deductive reasoning that is going on here based on the fact of the resurrection. And he starts by saying, church, if there is no resurrection, then Christ isn't risen. And if Christ isn't risen, there are some problems that are going to arise now. There are some doctrinal issues that you're going to have to deal with that you say you believe but if Christ isn't risen, you got a real problem. The first problem you have is, is, is um, it's, it's illogical. Preaching is illogical, right? Preaching that, verse 12, preaching that Jesus rose from the dead, it doesn't make point. It doesn't, doesn't make sense that you would do that. Some are teaching that there's no resurrection, so it's pointless that you would preach. In, 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 in verse 13 and on, we're going to see the logical reason. He's saying in verse 12, let me back up. He's saying in verse 12, it's illogical to preach if there is no re- resurrection. And he goes on in verses 13 on, in verses that there's a logical reason, reasoning that if Christ isn't risen, then there is no resurrection. If there is no resurrection, then Christ isn't risen. And then in verses 14 through 19, because I've totally confused you with verses 12 through 13, we're going to move on to verse 14. I can't get out what I'm trying to say. So go on to verse 14. We'll pick this up here. I want to show you six things, six things here that Paul says... A logical consequence of no resurrection. That's what I'm trying to say. Six things. He says our preaching is in vain. He says our faith is in vain. He says we're all a bunch of liars. He says we're sinners. He says we're still dead. And he says we're of all men most miserable. Would you notice this here in verse uh, 12? I'm sorry, verse 14. Look what he says here. The first thing, if Christ be not risen, our preaching is is in vain. That word vain means empty. That word vain means it's pointless. It's empty. It's nothingness. He said, if Christ isn't risen, then our preaching is in vain. Can I tell you, there is preaching preaching that happens all over the world. There is preaching that is going on all over the planet today. If they're in a different time zone, my, my, like uh, my brother preached resurrection uh, last night. In Australia, it would have been Sunday last night, and uh, he already preached. Many have already preached. Some are preaching today and this morning. They're preaching all over the world, and there are this there there are pulpits this morning, right now, where preaching is taking place. Can I tell you all that preaching that is taking place isn't the preaching that Paul is talking about? There are some out there that are preaching social justice. There are some out there who are preaching Islam. There are some that are preaching Joseph Smith. There are some in Mormonism, if you don't know who that is. There are some who are out there who are preaching baptismal regeneration. They're saying you got the baptism is, is the mode of salvation. There are some out there who are preaching the, 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 the doctrine of Charles Taze Russell and the Jehovah's Witnesses. Listen, I'm telling you, there's preaching going on all over the place and all over the world. There is preaching. But Paul makes it clear here what the subject of this preaching is. 
when he says, if Christ be not risen, our preaching is in vain. What preaching is he talking about? Well, look at verse 4. We've got to clarify this, friend, because there's preaching everywhere. Moreover, brethren, verse 1, chapter 15, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you've believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. And we see here in verses 1 through 4 what the subject of our preaching is. What is the preaching that Paul is talking about? He's talking about the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is it? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of this man named Jesus. It's called the gospel. It's called the good news. Why is it's a compound word in Greek meaning good news? Why is it good news? What's so good about the preaching of the gospel? Would anybody this morning here confess that you're a sinner? Would anybody confess this morning that you're born in sin? Would anybody here confess, would you just be honest with yourself and honest with God that you came into this world a sinner and not only are you a sinner by nature, but you're a sinner by choice. You say, well, hey, friend, I didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask to come into this planet. I didn't ask to come into the life I came into. I didn't ask for any of it. Well, you're right. You didn't ask for any of it. You're still born a sinner by nature, but you know what? Even if you want to, even if you want to get out and skate from that and say, I didn't, I wasn't, I, I, I didn't ask to be born, friend, you're still a sinner by choice. The very moment, listen, the very time that you sinned, it proved, hey, it didn't make you a sinner by nature. It proved you were a sinner by nature. Hey, how many sinned this morning? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> how many said something you shouldn't have? How many thought something you shouldn't have? How many, when I got up here, something went through your mind that shouldn't have? How many, how many walked into this place today and thought, oh, I'd rather be somewhere else today? I'm thankful there's so many here that are glad to be. Hey, I'm just saying, listen, we're sinners. We are sinners not only by nature. We are sinners by choice. Listen, you know you are. And that means we're separate from God. We're unable to pay for our sins. We, listen, we're unable to come in front of a holy God. Yeah, he is light and we are darkness. They can't mix. It's not possible. Only God could fix the problem. This is what we preach today. Just as, uh, just as God was the one to kill the animals with Adam and Eve, right? It was also the foreshadowing of what would be one day when God would, would require the shedding of blood of his own son to clothe us in his righteousness. God came up with a plan. Only God could fix the problem. And the good news is that God wrapped himself in human flesh. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees uh, in John chapter 8. Oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But remember what he said. He said, uh, he, he, he said does anybody here convince me of sin? That's a pretty bold statement, friend. Does anybody feel uh, good enough before God to stand up right now in the room and say, go ahead, anybody, convince me of sin? Hey, listen, your spouse is here. Your parents are here, Jim. Yeah. Nobody be, nobody be insane enough to do that. Yet Jesus said, does anybody here convince me of sin? Well, you notice they didn't answer? 
He lived a sinless life. He fulfilled the law. He was crucified. He died. He buried. And he rose again the third day. This is the gospel that we preach. This is the good news that we preach. Why is it good news? Because you can be reconciled back to God again. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul said, But we preach Christ crucified. No, we're not preaching Joseph Smith. We're not preaching Charles Taze Russell. We're not preaching Mary Glebber Patterson Eddy. We're not preaching uh, Islam. We are, we are not preaching Joseph Smith. Uh, uh, what, what are the other Joes? There's so many Joes out there. I've forgotten some of them. And we're not preaching any of them. We're preaching Christ. We're preaching Jesus Christ. He said, unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Second Corinthians 4, 5, Paul said again, for we preach not ourselves, well, wouldn't that be a pointless endeavor? Yeah. If I told you to come unto me, my, my wife would say, don't do that. I follow him, and it's not a great trip sometimes, right? You know? yeah. uh, he said, we don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sakes. Acts 5, 42. It says, and daily in the temple and every house, they cease not to what? Teach and preach what? Jesus Christ. Do you know this is the most this is the farthest thing from our human nature that we do? No, we love to elevate self. All of the cults of the world draw people to themselves, but those who are children of God, we point people to Jesus Christ because we know there is nothing in us. There is nothing in our flesh. There's nothing in us that can get anybody back to God. See, listen friend, if there is no resurrection, and Jesus is not risen in, from the dead, then our preaching is empty, our preaching is vain, our preaching is pointless because we're preaching about a man, Jesus Christ, who's still in the grave somewhere. Friend, go to the house. Go fishing. Go have fun. Yeah. Go make money. Go live it up. If Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, what a pointless endeavor I'm doing right now. Notice, secondly, if Jesus is not risen from the dead, verse 14, it says our faith is in vain. What is our faith? Quote, our faith. What is faith? We know Hebrews 11, 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is the evidence of things not seen? Somebody says, oh, I've, I've got a... I own, let's say I come to you and I say, I own a Bugatti. Anybody know what a Bugatti is? Let me try again. You know what a Bugatti is, right? Pretty sweet, huh? Million dollar car. 1.2, big, fast. Yeah. How about, how about I own, I don't know, just fill in the blank, okay? There you go. About a million, million dollar violin, right? There you go, or more. Hey, let's say I own this. And you say, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. What is the evidence? I've never showed it to you. You've never seen it. As at a car show one time, this guy had a, about a 67 uh, Challenger and uh, said 426 Hemi all over it. I was like, ooh, everybody's sitting there. He would never pop the hood. It's like, mm, you don't have a Hemi in that thing. What would have been the evidence of the thing that I could not see at that car show? Brother Jack, what would have been the evidence? Pop the hood and let me see those, those spark plugs going through that monster valve cover. That's awesome, right? <laughs> the evidence of things not seen. 
Hey, what is the evidence of our faith in Jesus Christ? What is the evidence of things not seen? What is the evidence of our afterlife? What is the evidence of the promise of being forever with God? What is the evidence of, the, of eternal life that God has promised us? I contend it's the Word of God. You know how, you live by, how we live by faith? We live by the Word of God. You say, well, that's pretty shaky. Yeah. You live by a book that a bunch of fishermen and, and different people throughout the last 1,600 years, for 1,600 years put together, you live by that? Yeah, I do. So do you if you're in Christ today. Hey, can I give you a little help on something? Let me give you help on some statistics here. 40 different writers, 1,600-year period of time, Approximately maybe five languages, four or five languages, five languages, and no contradiction. Okay, listen, I know they come out and they, they say there's contradictions. No contradiction. We can, we can contend with every one of the contradictions that they come out. What is the possibility of that happening? Yeah. This book is divine in origin. It is the Word of God. And we live by the faith of the Word of God. What, what Paul said was, if Christ be li- risen, then the, watch, living by this is pointless. If Jesus Christ is still in the grave somewhere, if those bones are still somewhere in a grave in the Middle East, living by this is absolutely pointless and futile. What a, what a waste of time. pointless. Our preaching is in vain if Christ isn't risen. Our faith is in vain if Christ is not risen. You know what the Word of God says about our faith? Romans 3.23 says we're sinners, right? We know that sin has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. He said it is finished, what a wonderful word that is in Greek, to telestai. Not only does it mean it's done, but from what I understand, it was one of those words that was, that was yelled by those, might have been proclaimed by those, by those, uh, by those uh, uh, Olympic runners when they came to the finish line first, to telestai, victory. Not only finished, but victory. It's a wonderful word. Yeah, it's paid. Your faith is put, we put our faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that we have eternal life, John 3, 16. Uh, for, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We were told in the word of God that we will forever be with God in John 14, when Jesus said uh, that where I am, there ye shall be also. And we know that the word of God tells us that nothing can change our relationship with God. Once we are born into the family of God, we can, we, we can not, never be unborn once we are born. If you ever had a child, if you ever watched that baby born, it may go off this planet someday and leave in death, and it will someday, but it will never be born and then one day unborn. It's not possible. We're born. This is what God tells us. Watch. The evidence of our eternal life is based solely upon the Word of God. Friend, if, if, listen, if the resurrection isn't right here, none of the rest of it matters. It's a pointless endeavor. It's a pointless, futile life that we're living. If Christ be not risen, look what else he goes on to say. Not only is our preaching in vain, not only is our faith in vain, but look at this, verse 15, we're all a bunch of liars. Liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Yeah. 
Can I tell you this today? God is holy. Listen, don't let modern Christianity water down the holiness of God. God is holy. He is of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon sin. The Bible says that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. He is holy and He is immutable, which means He cannot change. And part of that unchangeable holiness is that God can't lie. Oh, I'm thankful for that today. Over in Hebrews chapter 6, uh, the, the, the writer of Hebrews is writing there and he says this, that we're by two mutable things it is impossible for God to lie. Jesus said over and over to the Pharisees, I tell you the truth and you don't believe me. How can he say such a thing? Because he's God and he can't lie. Remember I told you in John eight forty six, where Jesus told the Pharisees, which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I did say the truth, why do you not believe me? Couldn't they have right there said, if there was anything, could they have said, Liar, you said this. Never said it. Wait, we're commanded to be truthful as well, aren't we? First Peter 1, 15 and 16, But as he that which is whole, uh, called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And over in Colossians 3, 9, the Bible says, Lie not one to another. Lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds. If you're in Christ this morning, the old man has been crucified. You need to put him off. And a part of putting off the old man is putting off lying. That is an aspect of the old life. That is the aspect of the old nature telling the truth. Right? What a contradiction you have to come to, though. If God is holy and cannot lie and we are to be like him, if there is no resurrection, friend, we're preaching a bunch of lies. We're liars. Wait, including God. Is it not recorded in his word that Jesus came out alive? Listen, our preaching, if Jesus is not risen, our preaching is in vain. Our faith is in vain. We are all a bunch of liars. And not only that, if we're all a bunch of liars, we're, listen, verse 17, we're still in our sin. Look what he says in verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Wow. Over in Leviticus 17 11, the Bible says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. Did you hear me? Blood makes atonement for the soul. You don't need to turn there. You could if you want to, but if you were to go back to, uh, back to Leviticus 16, it's a beautiful illustration of the atonement and the process of the atonement. Can I explain it to you this morning? Follow closely if you would, because it's a beautiful picture. You see, over in Leviticus 16, God... Uh, uh, Nadab and Abihu have died, Aaron's two sons. They had offered strange fire to the Lord. They came in to do sacrifices the wrong way, and they died, and they died. And so God said, here's what you need to do. Watch, he said this, so that when Aaron goes in to sacrifice, he doesn't die. Don't miss this, that he doesn't die. And here's the process that would happen. Aaron, who had his priestly garments, they were beautiful, they were, they were stunning, and they, they, he set, they set him apart as the high priest. But when he went into the tabernacle to offer the sacrifice, the sin offerings, he would put aside 
his, his really fancy clothes. And it says that when he, in the congregation of the people there in the tabernacle, he would put on the linen garments and the linen breeches that went on with those. These were plain linen clothes. There was nothing special about them. They were the clothes that he was to wear when he went in to sacrifice. And he would go into the, and, and he would do all of the, the work of the sacrifice. There is the, the two goats, there is a, or the, the, the two goats and the other, the other lamb and and there was all the process of that he what he went through. Uh, the lot was chosen. One of the goats became God's goat. One of the goats became a scapegoat. And the one that was God's goat, the the the, the blood was shed and the offering was offered there in the tabernacle. Now watch this. This is going on into the whole in the holies. This is going on where nobody can see it. He has gone in with great garments. He has gone into there where nobody can see with his linen, plain old clothes in there, and he's offering the sacrifices. There's several things that go on in there back and forth. I don't have time to tell you about, but you can go back in Leviticus 16 and read all of it. But the point is, while he is away from what is being seen, where nobody is can see what's going on, he's offering sacrifices. He's sprinkling blood upon the altar and he's, he's atoning, watch blood, Leviticus 17:11. It, it, it's the blood that makes atonement for the soul. The blood of those animals is being sprinkled upon the mercy seat to cover the sins of the the people year by year continually. This is all going on where they can't see it. And when he's done sacrificing, he comes out, he puts his linen garments aside, he leaves them in there, and he comes out and he puts back on those priestly garments, and he comes out and the people are waiting for him. Do you remember what God said at the beginning? So that he doesn't die. That he doesn't die. Can I show you something? When he comes out of the tabernacle, there are some things that it has shown there. Number one, that he's still alive. He didn't die in there. That's a good thing. But there's something else that it shows. The blood that was sacrificed and the Holy of Holies was accepted by God because he came out alive. Hey, Nadab and Abihu died because they didn't offer right. Cain, Cain's offering wasn't, wasn't accepted because it wasn't blood. Hey, listen, when, when the high priest came out of there, when Aaron at this time in Leviticus 16, when Aaron came out of there, it signified that he did everything right and that the blood that was offered was accepted by God. And he came out in priestly, in his priestly garments. Hey, listen, this is a picture of foreshadowing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize in heaven he put aside his glory and he put on some linen garments when he came to this world? He just put on a plain old flesh. He's, the Bible said there was nothing about him that set him aside from anybody else. He came like the rest of us. He put on uh, simple flesh and then he offered himself as the lamb. He was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. His own blood was shed there on the, on, on the cross. He, 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 he poured it out willingly and then he died. He was buried. And while he was buried for three days and three nights, what was going on? Well, I contend that he was offering the blood upon the mercy seat. I contend he was offering his blood for the sin of all mankind unto his father. And he was also, I mean, he was also down there letting the Old Testament saints know that he had completed redemption. But watch this, resurrection morning, right? Resurrection morning, he came out of the grave, not in simple, in a, in a simple 
earthly body that he had when he went into the grave, but he came out in that glorified body, just like the high priest who came out, watch this, he came out alive. What does that mean? The blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ was accepted by the Father, and he came out of that tomb alive, watch, in a glorified body, not in those old linen garments anymore. He had his high priestly robe on. He was victorious. Listen, the sacrifice was accepted. Ladies and gentlemen, when he came out of that tomb alive, not only did he defeat death, not only did he defeat death, but he proved that the blood was accepted by the Father. What does it mean? What does this mean? Hebrews 9.22, almost all things are purged by the blood without the shedding of blood is no remission. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Watch this. A risen Christ assures us of forgiven sin. And if Christ isn't risen, listen please, you're still in your sin. I'm still in my sin. There's never been, listen, if Christ isn't risen, whatever you thought was forgiveness, it wasn't. You're still there. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, not only were we still unforgiven, but look at verse 18. We're still dead. We're still dead. Look at verse 18. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. All your loved ones who profess Christ, who who had a testimony of being born again by the Spirit of God, You've laid them in the grave. I think of Brother Klein. I think of Brother Cummins. I think of Sister Cummins. I think of uh, of, uh, Miss Nona. I, I, I can go down the line of those. Sister Peace, we have placed in the grave with the hope we'll see him again. Can I tell you, if Christ is not risen, they're still dead. No, they're not alive today in the presence of God. They're dead. Their bones in her grave, and that's as far as it went. There's implications of not believing the resurrection, friend. Yeah. Notice lastly, and I'll be done. If Christ be not risen, our hope in Christ is only for this life. Somebody has said this, you know, you can live according to the Bible and live a better life. If you live according to the principles of the Bible... You know, you can have less problems. You can get along better. Uh, you can maybe make more money. You can have better, you know, listen, you, you can get along just fine. You can do better. You can do better. Yeah. But listen, if there is no resurrection, the, our hope in Christ is only for now. Do you see what Paul says about this? Verse 19, if in this life we have hope in Christ only, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable if Christ didn't rise from the dead the best you can expect in your life is just your your, your best life now sounds like a book doesn't it your best life now yeah but nothing after this life friend in the realm of eternity right you've seen those bugs you ever wonder why a bug lives for 24 hours and that's it they're born they do their little thing dead Can I tell you, in the realm of eternity, we probably live less than 24 hours. Friend, our our life is snuffed out so fast. 
when you consider that your, your soul, you are a living soul and your soul is going to live somewhere forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It'll never die. Your soul will either live in the presence of God or it will live outside of the presence of God in a place Jesus called hell where the flame is not quenched and their worm dieth not, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. You're going to live somewhere. But friend, if Christ isn't risen, the only hope we have is for right now. I love the word the Holy Spirit of God put here. Most miserable. That's a misery. Hey, how many heard the words when you were a kid? Wait till your father gets home. Anybody hear that? Friend, I don't care what good of a day you had before that time happened. It ruined the whole day because <laughs> you waited. You might have gone for ice cream. Your mother might have been cruel and done all sorts of fun things with you. But in the back of your head, you knew judgment day was rolling around, right? You knew it was coming. Yeah. Miserable. Friend, if our hope in Christ is just in this life only, it's a miserable thought. I don't care how good it is. It's miserable. It's kind of like the man drifting out at sea. His boat is capsized. It's gone to the bottom of the ocean. He's miles and miles out, drifting along, floating on his back, trying to stay alive for as long as possible. And a boat motors up there and might be the Coast Guard of the United States. And, oh, the joy that floods his soul. Yes, this is wonderful. And he throws out one of those, one of those ring buoys out to him without a rope. And he motors off back to coast. Isn't that a joy? He's got that little thing around him. And he's drifting around in the sea miles and miles out. It's wonderful, isn't it? No, it's miserable. You know why? Because he's still going to succumb to the water. He still may succumb to the sharks. He still is going to succumb to dehydration. No, that little respite of feel, a feeling that this is wonderful, that I've got this life raft, you're still going to die, friend. Unless somebody brings you in. Yeah. If Christ be not risen this morning, listen to me. If Jesus, if that man in the Middle East by the name of Jesus, if he did not come out of that grave like the witnesses said, this whole exercise is pointless. Our faith is vain. The, the word that we believe is vain and empty. We're liars. We're still in our sin. We're still dead. And we're here we are without one shred of of hope after this life it wouldn't be a big deal if we didn't die but friend we're going to die it's pointed on men who wants to die I don't care how young you are I don't care how strong you are I don't care how much life you think you have left you are going to die but look at verse 20 <laughs> but now is Christ risen from the dead. Amen. Amen. He is. Verses 5 through 8, look what he says before he even got here. He said he was seen of Peter. He was seen of the twelve. That was more of a title of the group. Obviously Judas wasn't there. He was seen of 500 at one time. He says he was seen of James. Who is that? Jesus' brother? Who at one time was an unbeliever? You've seen of all of the apostles. And Paul said, and finally, he was seen of me, where? On the road to Damascus. 
I don't have time to go through every evidence of the resurrection. Watch. But it is because of the truth of the resurrection why I'm here today. It is because of the truth of the risen Christ why you are here today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is the linchpin of our faith. Everything hangs on the resurrection. And I can attest to you this morning, with the saints of the last 2,000 years, that Jesus Christ did exactly what he said he was going to do. Hallelujah. He professed his virgin birth. He did. Yeah, I remember him in the temple. When Mary came along, she says, where have you been? Right? She said, your father and I, we've, we've been looking for you. We've been worried about you. He says, mother, wish you not that I must be about my father's business? Who was Joseph, that carpenter? And here's Jesus debating in the temple with the, with, the, with, the, with the lawyers. Must I be about my father's business? Oh, she knew what he meant. He knew what he was. He was, he was declaring his virgin birth as well. He professed his own sinlessness. He predicted his own death. Think about that. He says, I go up to Jerusalem. He said, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. He predicted his manner of death. They're going to, he said, if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. What is that word lifted up? It, is, it was significant of the Roman crucifixion of the lifting up. He predicted his own manner of death. And not only this, this Jewish carpenter predicted his resurrection. He said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again. He said, as Jonas was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so must the son of man be in the, belly, in, the, in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. That's a finite number. He's going somewhere after day three. <laughs> yeah. There's been many that have professed these things. They're out there today that are professing they're Jesus Christ. They are. They're weird. Yeah. Can I tell you what none of them have done? Well, if they're still alive, but those that have been dead, that are dead, that have said this, they never pulled it off, friend. They're still in the grave. They're still in the grave. Listen, friend, if this man, Jesus, can predict his death, predict his manner of death, and, and predict his own resurrection, his own resurrection, the disciples weren't looking for it. They were shocked. They didn't believe it at first. Jesus said to Pilate, you have no power at all against me. I lay my life down and I raise it up again. If this man can predict his own death and then predict his own resurrection and pull it off, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If he, whoever can do that, I'll believe anything else he says. Friend, he did it. He's risen. He's risen. If he, had, if he wasn't risen, the majority of our life is in vain. Let me ask you this morning. When did you believe the gospel? The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When was the day you believed? Not a man. Not when did you believe the church not when did you believe 
some ritual. When did you believe the gospel? When did you believe Jesus personally? Paul said, I know who I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He said, I know whom I have believed. What did he say? I believe Jesus. I believed Jesus, Paul said. When did you believe Jesus? When did you, wait, when did you come to God confessing your sin, that you are a sinner by nature and a sinner by choice? Maybe not those words, but listen, you knew this. I'm not, I'm not God. And there's a great chasm between us, and I can't approach him. When did you ask God to apply the blood of Jesus on your account, on your record? Oh, no, we all have a record, friend. The only difference, listen, the only difference between the records is one, one record is, it, it, it still has the list of everything you've done. And for some people... Their record has a list of everything that Jesus has done. <laughs> yeah. When did you believe? Have you? Or are you still without Christ? Friend, he is risen from the dead. You need to believe him. For if you don't believe him, he will let you have your own way. But that way is an eternity in hell. Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth, I'm sorry, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He's risen today. Is he risen in you? If not, he can be. Don't put it off. Today, today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Come to Jesus today. He's alive. That drawing inside of you, that pulling inside of you, that pulling that's going on, that drawing, that's the Holy Spirit of God. It's the work of the Lord Jesus Christ through His Holy Spirit. He's drawing you. The Father is drawing you. God is drawing you unto Himself. How can He do that? Because He's alive. Come to him today. Our Father, we thank you this morning for the plan of salvation. We thank you this morning that Jesus is alive, just as he said. I'm thankful for that day, some 22 years ago, that I personally came to you. And I confessed before you, I knew it, I knew, I knew what you were saying. I was lost and without Christ. I'm thankful for that day that I came to thee, believing, believing the work of the Lord Jesus Christ was sufficient, believing who I was, believing what he said about me and what he said about himself. I'm thankful for that day that I came to you in repentance and faith, and I trusted, put my faith and trust in Jesus, and asked you to save me. And I'm so thankful that you said that whosoever shall call upon this name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm so thankful that Jesus said, All who come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Thankful for that day that you arose in me, saved me. I believe everybody in here.
who is in Christ this morning has that same heart of joy and rejoicing today. They remember the day they came to thee, and they remember the day that Jesus saved them. The blood was applied, and they remember it. Father, thank you for that. We know none of that would be possible if Jesus had not come out of the grave. But now, He's risen. Father, if there's somebody here today that is lost without Christ, they're on their way to hell. They know it. The Holy Spirit of God, you've been, you've been drawing them all this whole service. You've been drawing them maybe for years. And they know they're without you. Father, today, would they come today? Would you, brought, would you remove any distraction and allow them to come today, to come to Jesus before it's too late? Thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand this morning. The instrument's going to play. We have a time of invitation, a time for you to come. Christian, you might want to just get alone with the Lord today, right where you're at, in your seat, and thank God for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because without that resurrection, you'd still be lost and in your sins. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Don't look around, please. I want to ask a simple question. You're here today, or maybe those that are watching on live stream. I ask you a question. You can raise your hand. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? Are you 100% sure that if you died today, you'd immediately be in the presence of God? Because you remember the day when you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you came to God and you asked Him. You confessed and you asked Him for that, that sacrifice blood. Here's the question. Anybody in here today raise a hand and say, I'm not sure. If I were to die today, I don't know if I would go to heaven. I don't know if I'd be with God. I kind of think I'm, I may go to hell. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to go to hell, but I just don't know and I want to know. Anybody in here could raise their hand and say, I just don't know. I don't know, but I want to know. Nobody's looking around. Just throw your hand up real quick. I'll pray for you. I'm not coming. I won't come to get you. I wouldn't do that. You know for sure you say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I want to know, but I don't know. Would you raise your hand? We'll pray for you. Christian, it's quite a thing that God has done to secure our redemption. It's quite a thing. May God help us today just to meditate and to absorb all that he's done to bring us to Christ. He's risen. Amen. Let's be closed in a word of prayer this morning. So wonderful to have everybody out today. Come back. If you don't have a church home, come back. And uh, we'd love to see you again. We have another service tonight at 6 o'clock. It's not, we don't do like three services of the same thing. We have three different occasions that we meet on Sunday for three different purposes, three different things. We'll be back tonight, 6 o'clock. Good to see you, but it'll be good to see you back tonight. Lord willing, we'll be back in the book of Matthew.
back in the book of Matthew. And we'll look forward to that. Have a wonderful afternoon. Don't let the world steal from you the reality of this day. It's not about eggs and bunnies and chocolates and all of those things. It's about a risen Christ, the living Son of God. Let's be closing a word of prayer this morning. And uh, for the bonds, for the Earl, would you close us in a word of prayer this morning? Heavenly Father.